Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. If you want to learn useful, practical how-tos of weight loss, exercise science, nutrition, or just how to optimize your time in the gym and life, this show is for you. Welcome to another episode of the Project Fitness Podcast, and today on the podcast, we had Owen Lacey. Owen is from the Iris Strength Institute, and Owen has been in the industry for two and a half decades. Owen brings a wealth of knowledge to this conversation. And Owen's brain is kind of like, if you can picture a a hamster on a wheel running. Now take that hamster and have it on two feet instead of four. Now take that hamster and have it juggling three or four balls while on two feet instead of four. Now take that hamster doing all that and singing Christmas carols. That's how Owen's brain works. And over the hour long conversation, we talked about a handful of things from circadian clocks from his PPP personalized performance plan that he uses with clients, how they run the Irish Strength Institute, where it started from, blood tests, all these great things that can really help people become their optimal person. So this was a pretty long conversation. So it's broken down into two parts of part one and part two. So here comes part one at you. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Our special guest is the owner and operator of the Iron Strength Institute, is trained and educated in functional medicine, sports nutrition, nutritional medicine, has worked with athletes from multiple sports, including UFC, rugby, premier soccer, I believe nine Olympic medals, to his credit as well, has a clinic out in Ireland, travels the world, teaches for ICANS, that's a US educational service. And anyone who who knows this person has sat in on any lectures, courses, knows that his way of education is through humorous analogies, crazy drawings, very entertaining, and taking complex ideas and making the layman's person understand them quite well. And correct me if I'm wrong, was also voted Ireland's most handsome man in 2015 and 16. And 17. (laughs) Triple threat. Uh, Triple threat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Owen Lacey. Thank you so much. (laughs) <laughs> Owen Lacey, welcome to Project Fitness. Thank you so much. That's the first time. Normally when someone calls me special, there's a joke at the end of that sentence. But I, appre- <laughs> I appreciate the, the nice things. So that was lovely. Thank you so much. So it's a pleasure to be here, Chris. And hopefully we can have some information that's uh, usable for your listeners. So it is, it's 2021. 2020 has passed us. You and I were just talking about it and where we're going forward. A lot of people right now are, are looking at this year and And they're probably sitting at home with a lot of extra free time. And they're thinking of things they can do for their health. They're contemplating. But then when you get online, it just, it just gets crazy. So I want to talk a little bit today about things that you do, things you would recommend for people to get into when it comes to their health and fitness. But I want to start off with kind of getting to know you. I find everyone in the fitness industry has a different but similar story. So if you don't mind, why don't you start off by saying how you got into it and what led you to do what you're doing now? 
Okay, so um, my journey in a very, very short period of time. I got interested in health and fitness when I started playing football, uh, soccer, not uh, American football. Um, and then from there, I always, uh, for whatever reason, maybe I had the loudest voice, maybe I had the biggest character. I don't know. I wasn't the best football player in the world, but I became the captain of the football team. And, and as part of the role of the captain of the football team, you, you do the warm-ups, you do the cool-down, you you do the throw-ins and so on. So it became a bit of an enjoyment for me. And from there, when I when I finished college, I was actually going to go to finish school. I was going to go to the army. And when you're 16, uh, leaving school, they wanted eight years from me to commit to the army. For eight years for a guy that's 16, that's half his life. It's, it was too much of a commitment for me. So I decided to go off and go down the, the health and fitness route. So I went to college and studied that, and I was lucky enough to get a job. I, I completely blackguarded my, my way in. I applied for college. It was, this, was, this was the summer of 1996, and I went straight to the local gym. I said, I applied for college, and they're like going, what do you mean you applied for college? You're not even qualified. How can you? But I, I'll do whatever you want. So they made up a role for me. They called me a leisure attendant. It sounds like someone that cleans the bathrooms, doesn't it? It sounds terrible. But what I did was I sat in on all the consultations, I took a lot of fitness classes um, in conjunction with somebody else. So it sort of was like a, I don't know, what do you want to call it? A buddy coach or an instructor for until I got through the first year of college. And then I got some qualifications and I went on from there. Um, but that gym that I, I started in, it was a really busy gym. It was actually Ireland's, uh, Ireland's biggest gym at the time. And from there, another gym opened up in Dublin, which is actually is, is Ireland, is still is Ireland's largest gym. We had 10,500 members. And as a young man being in the, in the game, I just loved it. I loved every aspect of it. And I know this is going to be hard for you particularly to understand, but I actually taught BTS back in the day, you know. So Les Mills was big in Ireland back then. And I know me jumping around doing body pump and spinning and all. But That's it's, all I'm think picturing. It's That's all I'm picturing. Me, me and Aaliyah Tart doing down dog. Neon colors. Right? You, you got it. You got it. So and back then when you, when you did a shift, you like – I remember on average, I did about 45 classes a month. Now, 45 classes a month might sound like a lot, but if you only walk 20 or 25 days that month, that's, that's two classes every single day. So on top of that, on top of personal training, on top of doing gym instruction, I felt that it was actually, I got promoted. That was, that was the benefit. I got promoted to, to gym manager. And it was me and these two other girls involved in the gym management. And they were a good bit senior than me, like maybe 15, 20 years older than me. And I was like, is this it? Is this me? Am I going to be a gym manager for the rest of my life? It just wasn't what I wanted. Um, and that's when we got involved with Paul Check. That's when we got involved with Charles Polican to, to you know, up-educate ourselves in that, in that realm. But the biggest issue that I had was, this is it. I've reached, the, in, that, in that level of the industry, the, probably one of the higher positions I could reach in, in that sector of the health and fitness world. So... All it was about was, was numbers, Chris. All they wanted was people in. They wanted more people signing up than leaving. They weren't interested in maybe keeping their members. They, they weren't interested in all they wanted was attrition rates on. Retention wasn't important at all. Now, mm -hmm. 10,500 members, you need to be signing people up on the daily in conjunction with not letting people go, but they're not interested in that. And the more and more I got a bond with these people. So when you go, so for example, for the gym managers out there, if you're a personal trainer, maybe you see eight people a day. I don't know, maybe you see 10 people a day, maybe you're a really busy trainer. But if you're a gym instructor, I'm not putting gym instructors down at all, you know, but what I'm saying is if you're a gym instructor and you do two fitness classes, you might have the ability to coach over 150 people that day. So our spinning classes at 75 spin bikes, 
So you do two, two spin classes, and you do some assessment on the gym floor. You 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 touch, you coach, you can you instruct more people, but it's it's it's, more, it's like a flyby coaching session. It's not a real in depth. So the more and more I stayed in the gym, the more I managed the gym, the more I seen the gym wasn't given the same. To the, to the members that they, they deserve, that they pay for. And this was the most expensive gym and still is the most expensive gym in Ireland to, to, to join. Yes, mm-hmm. the facility, that phenomenal 50-meter swim pool, seven indoor tennis courts, massive gym space. But the attention to detail, the attention to coaching, the, the personal touch just isn't there. So you go to any Mitchell Star restaurant, any Mitchell Star restaurant, the service, the decor, the bathrooms, the, the waiting staff, everybody is focused on the best service possible. It doesn't matter necessarily the facility, how big it is. And for me, that's why I stepped away from, from commercial gyms. That's why I stepped away from that, that realm of just numbers, just getting people in the door. I'd prefer to have a much smaller gym, focus on looking after the clients, looking after the athletes, not having restrictions. So in all my facilities, I've got gym equipment that would never be approved to be bought by somebody else, but I just buy it because it's going to help somebody else. I've got equipment here right in front of me that's for people in wheelchairs. I've got barbells that are specifically designed for people with cerebral palsy. I've got gym equipment for guys with, with, with um, have amputeeism or they've got a lung transplants. So we, we, we're restricted by nothing, but we can maximize our focus on our clients that come into us. And that, that's, that's, in a nutshell, I went off then, I studied with Charles and Paul Check. I went to college to be a physical therapist. Then I went off to study function medicine because the gaps just weren't there. And mm-hmm. the more clients you have, the more questions I think that you have to answer for yourself. And I'm big enough and bold enough and ugly enough to realize that I don't know everything. So I align myself with experts in that field. And, and the more you, you're on a journey to learn more, the more you find people. Like you know, when you go to the top of any industry, there's not that many names there, really. And then and any expert, and this is one thing that I, I hold my hand up and hopefully people will say about me. Anytime people approach me about helping them, I wholeheartedly help them as best I can. But any expert that I've ever dealt with at the top of their field, they have been you know, so gracious with their time, so gracious with their information that they shared with me. And real experts in the field will open themselves up and help other people, you know, climb the ladder because they know that they're trying to educate themselves to better support the clients they have. It's not just the, for information, for information's self, for information's sake. It's having the information that you can apply it for your client. Educating people is one thing. Coaching them, in my opinion, is something very different. And once you have the client's vested interest at heart, you will align, like even for example, I've got, I've got a guy coming to see me and he's got a lot of shoulder issues and it's beyond my realm of, of rehabilitation. But I have four or five guys, chiros, osteos, ART mm-hmm. guys that I lead together. And it's in no way a reflection on my inability to help them. It's my breadth of my network to make sure this guy gets looked after. And that, that's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Man. I think the majority of people in the fitness industry all have a similar purpose or passion and it's making other people better. And it's helping other yeah. people. So when you, when you identify what your your ceiling is or comfort level, you surround yourself with good people. And uh, you are definitely one of those people. You've spoke at a lot of seminars. You've come all the way down to Canada at Swiss a few times. And you were yeah. teaching some of the, the functional nutrition stuff. And I loved when you came down and we did the, um, the muscle camp thing. Right. And we did the hypertrophy oh, yeah, uh, yeah. practicum for three or four days. There. That was a blast. Uh, but I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you're saying there about surrounding yourself with better people, having referral networks. I think it's uh, needed. It's definitely needed. And everyone tends to get a little bit better. So, yeah, with you know, all, or go ahead. So, just one, one thing we've got a lot of MMA fighters. 
and up, up, when they have their fights, they always have the smack talk and they're talking shit about one another, which I appreciate. But one of the things that a lot of the guys don't realise is these guys have more in common with other fighters than you have with other people in the world. So us as coaches, as trainers, as, as therapists, whatever it may be, is we've got more in common with other people in the same industry. So I don't think people should be as closed-minded. You should be open-minded. There is plenty. There's all a huge amount of business in this world. And if we align ourselves with better people, not only do we grow as professionals, we grow our network and then we help people more. So sometimes I think, because I know this industry so well, I do sometimes see people a bit closed-minded, but... Hopefully, with time, with wisdom, they, they, they open their eyes to grow on the network is always a better option. Yeah, 100%. And like I was saying, more people get help and it just makes the world better and your message uh, serves more people. So speaking of more people, um, it, it's January. What happens in January? Everyone sets those goals, right? Everyone's yeah. looking to obtain, you know, that six pack. They want to get jacked, run a marathon, whatever it is. And uh, I think right now it's a great opportunity for a lot of people to be trying different things because on average, I think people have a little bit more free time with what's going on in the world. But I think that there's a lot of stuff out there and people might be a little bit confused. So what are you doing right now with anybody who's newer? What do you recommend for anyone who's like, okay, I'm going to change my life now. Where do I start? Right, so this, this is a real, real big topic in January. So my, my approach is very simple. And this is, there's a great book called The Myth of Motivation. And in the book, he says, fuck the firewall. I apologize, of course, in there. So you can, you can edit that bit out. But the fire, getting people motivated to walk across fire doesn't call upon action. So for me, what I, I call it, the, the health sat-nav. In order for you to go anywhere in your car, you get into your car today, you can't drive very far in Ireland, but you get into your car today, in order for you to put your sat-nav in, you need two things. One, your current location, and two, your destination. And a lot of times, people don't know where they need to get to. Now, it doesn't necessarily need to be a three-year plan or a, you know, a six-month plan. It could be just a month plan or a three-month plan. But two things we need to find out. One, where we currently are, and two, where we need to get to. Then... Honestly, and this is one of the biggest things I say to people, why haven't you got to where you want to get to in the past? Has it been too much drinking, too much, you know, staying up too late, not sleeping, not exercising enough? And in my opinion, if you think about the car, Chris, let's say we're all sitting in the car, me, you, Maggie, Susie, the kids, everybody, only one person can drive. Only one person can drive. And for some reason, everyone thinks exercise should drive. And it's not. Exercise is not the driving force. Let's say your client trains five, five sessions a week. Five sessions a week only represents 2.9% of that total week. So it, it is not enough of a driving force to get people towards their goals. So I ask clients, why haven't you got the results in the past? What's holding you back? I don't sleep enough. I don't eat enough. Well, let's focus on that. Maybe we change seats. We get exercise to sit in the passenger seat. And we get lifestyle to sit in the driving seat. And we'll focus on sleep. So maybe we'll focus on two weeks of getting your sleep sorted. Right? So that's one option. Second option is we say to them, okay, imagine you were going on a training camp. Imagine you're a, a pro UFC fighter. Imagine you're a pro football player. I said, okay, Chris, I'm going to build you the best week possible. What would that week look like? You'd be like, oh, well, I get up at this time. I, I'd study, I'd train, I'd stretch. I'd see the kids, see Maggie, get some work done, bang, bang. So you'd schedule your week. But nobody does that. Nobody schedules their ideal week. They drift and they react through life. And when you react through life, you're not making decisions that are educated and you're going to get decision fatigue. We've all heard that quote by um, 
Mark Zuckerberg, where he always wears blue jeans and a black T-shirt because he doesn't have to make a decision. So he has that brain power and focus to make good decisions. Now, as a coach, it's our job to educate our clients, but not only educate our clients, but to take the stress away from them. That's why meal prep companies, that when a client comes into us, they switch off, they just do what we tell them to do. The same with meal prep companies, the, the meals come to the house, you just eat the meals at stone. But if you can find out where in your client or athlete's life is the, is the missing link, is the, is the Murphy's Law, what goes wrong all the time, and then you support that component. But you need to build it. And for me, I, I call it a personalized performance plan. We build a plan for that person and we find out what is in their diet in their lifestyle, in their training that shouldn't be there, how we modify it, and then we follow the plan. A number of years ago, I was training this guy, very wealthy guy, but he brought um, uh, Mo Farah, he's the long-distance runner from the UK, over for a, a motivational talk. And this is before the 2012, the, before the, the London Olympics it was. Mm-hmm. So Mo Farah's in this room, and I'm in there's a lot of rugby players, and I'm sitting in this room watching Mo do a presentation. Now, again, it's it, coming from his mindset. And all he was saying was, in preparation for, for the 2012 Olympics, what I do is I follow the plan. And he had one, he had a whole um, plan on a page. Go here, sign in. Go here, get my shoes. Go here, get my gear. Go for my rehab. Go for my training. Do my stim. Do my recovery. And he says, how did I win my gold medals? I follow the plan. It's not rocket science. So if we, what we need to do is build a plan for our clients. So there's a really good book called Outwitting the Devil. It's really from Napoleon Hill. Great book. With the devil. And what he says is people make mistakes when they drift. When you're caught in the hop, and I see this all the time, people go to the fridge, they open the fridge door and they go, hmm, what can I have for dinner? No, no, don't wait for the fridge to tell you what to have. I've never seen a fridge walk, walk down a shopping center. So you put the food into the fridge. So the goal is to set yourself up for success. And if anybody out there thinks that this world is designed to be healthy and be successful, you're delusional. It is inconvenient to be healthy on this planet you have to actively move forward make better decisions every single day for people to improve their health which is why when it comes to intermittent fasting people ask me is intermittent fasting good or bad on i'm like going it depends if you constantly make bad food decisions well then narrowing down the window of making bad decisions is going to work for that person if you know that you have a great breakfast, a great lunch, and then you go, hey, you guys, and eat all around yourself at dinner, and then you have wine and chocolate and ice cream, well, then taking dinner away from you might be a good idea because I've taken that decision away from you. You know your window of eating, and then you can your mindless eating, your mindless eating is gone then. So for me, when it comes to resolutions, one, where you currently are, two, where you need to get to, and three, build a personalized performance plan. What is your ideal day? What's your ideal week? So back in, during the, 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 the shit show, that is this, this pandemic, I got this uh, diary called the Full Focus Planner. And in the Full Focus Planner, you, you, you basically put in your, your ideal week. And I put in my date nights. Right? Don't tell my wife that. I'm joking. I was with my wife, obviously. But I put in my date nights every Friday night. And I put them in on Friday night because if for whatever reason I had a client or whatever, I got home late, it may not happen. I had Sunday as a bit of a buffer. Saturday as a bit of a buffer to go out. But Sunday, I always do family stuff. Friday night, I always have a date night with my wife. And then I have my, the number of sessions. So I, I give myself 25 clinic sessions to do a week and then I'll do some PT between 8 to 12 PTs a week on top of that so and then I have my study time my training time but it's all penciled in so when I get up in the morning I know that I have to do see these five clients train legs uh, you know do my study read this book 
get these emails done and then I'm done. Because you know yourself, Chris, when you come home, it's hard to be half messaging clients back or emailing clients back because the kids don't understand that. No. The kids are like, well, why, why don't you want to talk to me? Why don't you want to play with me? So, so for me, I, and in the diary, I have the start of work day. The, sorry, the start of day. So my start of day is, is getting up. I do my shower. I get my food prepped. I have my clothes set out. I get myself ready. I don't answer emails. I don't WhatsApp people back. When I start work, I do that. Because if not, I'm answering emails or I'm, I'm in my head and I'm not even there. So I compartmentalize it. The start of day, the start of work day. The end of day, end of work day, and then the end of the day. But I'm not going to go into the house with the kids there and be half emailing people. But in order for that to happen, and, and you've, had, you've got similar clients to me, when executives come to see you, they're on all the time. They're up here all the time. And when you're up here all the time, your hat as a father, as a brother, as an employee or employer, as a, as a father, as a whatever, a friend, you fall down in those compartments because you're constantly in work mode. So I think it's important that when you build your personalized plan, you take everything in, in, into consideration, all the roles that you have in your job. So I have, like, my, my eldest uh, child, he's 19. And while he was young, I was traveling all over the place with Charles. I was traveling, like, the, the last year I finished with him, I was doing over 159 teaching days a year. So that's teaching days. And that's not, that's not travel days. I was never at home. So my youngest now, she's seven. So when she came along, I said to myself, I'm not going to travel so much. Mm -hmm. And I am going to travel. I'm going to travel only every now and again. But when I'm home, I'm home. I'm present. I'm present with her. And I'm having the times that we had our fun together. But for me, don't look back and say, Jesus, I worked way too much. You know, there's only one thing. The most precious thing in this planet is time. Money means feck all, feck all. So the moment, when you're in the house with the kids, being the, with the kids, when you're training, you're training. You're not thinking about your mortgage. And that's one thing about mindfulness. You want to be in the moment. But it doesn't happen by accident. And all these motivational books, all these motivational seminars, all these you know, programs, they're all loved. I do. I think they're great. They're motivational. They're encouraging. They, they get you going. But it's you that has to walk the walk. It's you that has to get up. It's you that has to make a decision on food, training, you know, be in the moment with your, you know, with your partner, with your friends, with your kids. And that's what falls down. So it's living the life you need to be. So for me, it's about building that plan. And if you can do that correctly, I think, and being, having that growth mindset of learning from people all the time. Actually, I think you had Ben on recently, did you? Yeah, yeah, big Ben. Yeah, I, I, I had Ben on. I listened to Ben's podcast a, a few months ago with John Medina. All right. And I thought it was phenomenal, the, the, his approach when he, he talked about the goldfish dying and the sea coming in and out. I thought it was brilliant. Or a puppy dying. I can't remember if it was a puppy or a goldfish. But anyway, I went off and I read every single one of John Medina's books. And I wouldn't have got that if I hadn't spent the time to, to say, listen, I'm going to listen to Ben because I thought he interviewed him exceptionally well. So by understanding that information and going off and educating yourself, you can be flexible enough to put those you know, interventions into your plan. I'm, and come here, I'm, I'm a... I'm going to say I'm a young dad. I'm a relatively young dad to have a 19-year-old son. You're the fountain of youth, but, Owen. I, I, I you got a 19-year-old kid. You look great. Right, but you, you, but you learn as you go. That's why and, I take your is, advice. <laughs> don't, don't take my advice, that's for sure. But, but it's a learning process. And I, I think once you're constantly learning, you're evolving, but you have to build a plan. And so many people, when I talk to them, they, 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 they haven't got a set plan. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I had one guy come to see me, again, very wealthy guy. He's an agent for sports people. And he says, Owen, I want to get in shape. I want to get in real good shape in the, in the next six weeks. I'm like, nah. I'm like, he goes, I'll, 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 I'll train with you five days a week. I'll, I'll, I'll 
bring you in as a contract and we, I'll do with everything. I'm like going, well, you understand where you're trying to get to. And I said, what do you do for a living? And he explained to me what he did. I said, how did you get that job? Oh, well, I did this shitty job for a while. And then I, I interned with this guy and then I linked with this guy. And it took me years to get to this real high level. I said, oh, it's brilliant. So you got a really good level of, of, of career by putting years and years of devotion into it and educate yourself and surround yourself and working hard. Yeah, that's what health is too. It's not going to happen in six weeks. If you want success in your career, if you devote the same success to your career as you do to your health, you'll, you'll make huge inroads. But getting abs in six weeks and keeping them is unsustainable. And then what happens is people want these, you know, get abs and look good in six weeks and don't keep it. And I would say my clinic, just across the road, my clinic has a mixture of people, executives that are stressed out, both male and female, with infertility issues, skin issues, hair loss, alopecia, loads of different issues going on, low libido. And over here, I have guys, a lot of trainers that come to me for education. But one of the biggest things is they're born out. They work too hard. Mm-hmm. And I've sat in rooms, and you, I'm sure you've sat in rooms with trainers. And I ask every trainer in the room, raise your hand if you're healthy. And they're going, I said, hey, Raise your hand if you're healthy. And none of the trainers put their hands up. Why? Because these guys don't eat regularly, take protein shakes during sessions, get up real early, try to get their accounts and their study and their targets in at the weekend. They're, they're stressed out. Well, they're hypocrites. And I'm not, I'm not putting them down, but they're putting their health and well-being of their clients before themselves. And over time, that's okay when you're 20, when you're 21. But when you're 40 and you're, you're getting a bit older, you know, and it, it, you have to look after yourself first. I'm not saying good life, don't hit your targets. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is there needs to be a system. There needs to be a control. And running a business as a person trainer for yourself is a challenge. And I've made so many mistakes. And I remember a great, a great quote saying, the expert is the person who has made the most amount of mistakes in the smallest field possible. And I've made massive mistakes. I think one guy called it dumb tax. I've paid so much dumb tax, it's unbelievable. Like, I remember buying, I bought seven sets of Alico barbells and plates from my, from my first gym. Zero clients. <laughs> like, no clients. I just bought these plates because I wanted Alico plates and barbells. But anyway, the, the point being is, you learn as you go, but, and one thing I, I do know in Canada, it's, it's much more open-minded, learn from other people, go to successful trainers, listen to podcasts, you know, buy books, go on courses and find out what the top guys are doing. One of my pet hates was, remember that four hour work week by Timothy Ferris? Yeah, it's right here. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I, I love that book. I got a virtual assistant straight after that book from India. I, I was all over it. Yeah. And then he comes out late. Then he comes out later on saying he's he's sleep deprived. He's 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 burnt himself out. And I go, he's all hang on a second. Too and everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's four hour work week, and like, so for me, sometimes people say one thing and they do a different thing. But I think we can learn from them. But go to the more senior trainers in your gym. Go to the people that are successful and learn from them. Just taking into consideration that it's always going to be different. And that's when it comes to nutrition. Again, a pet hate of mine is I've never done a steroid in my life. I don't deal with people on steroids in any way, shape or form. And people that do steroids, fair play to them, go do your own thing, it's fine. But don't let other people think that they're going to get the same results from a calorie deficient diet if they're not taking what you're taking. So I think we need to be realistic. And that's the difference. I think sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect. We want to empower our clients for health, well-being, you know, to be a better person, to be a better father, you know, you know, brother, employee, and enjoy life. But sometimes people go, oh, just cut your calories down, you lose weight. That's not always the way it's going to be. And that's why I've gone down the functional medicine route. That's why I've linked with people like Dr. Serrano so I can learn more about them. But I think it's, it's, um, 
it's an ever-ending wheel. But once we're flexible enough to assess how things are improving, build a plan and follow the plan and then reevaluate it and see how it's moving, you know? Yeah, I think there's a major difference and you just said it about balance versus juggling. When you have so many things you want to do, when you have your schedule or your plan that you talk about, you're able to balance it from this point to this point, I'm doing A. This point, this point, I'm doing B. Human species, we can focus a lot better when you have one task, but trying yeah, to juggle, sure. you're all over the place. It's not going to be good. You mentioned before about like PEDs and how that some people use them versus, I would have guessed you were on. You look great. My goal in life is to be a, for someone to say, hey, are you on something? Like that's what I'm still, it hasn't happened yet. I'm still waiting for that. But in our industry, we tend to see a lot of people who are promoting and pushing certain things, go keto, go vegan, you know, this is the best training protocol for you. And you and I know that they're supplementing a little bit different. Does that impact a lot of people's decision making, do you think? 100, like 100%. I've had so many guys, there was one guy in the UK who did this um, transformation. And he was all over, all over different magazines. And I would have clients come in and say, oh, well, look at this guy. He did that in 12 weeks. First of all, I know he didn't do it in 12 weeks because I actually know the guy. And I've seen him over many courses over, over the last three years. And he's evolved. But the pictures are that way. Sometimes the aspiration of, of getting, like, like I'm, I'm 40 now. When I was younger, I was the only guy out of all my friends that went to the gym. Nobody went to the gym. Now, uh, all over the world, it's trendy to be in the gym. It's trendy to be in the gym. One of the biggest uh, sectors of, of, of expansion of clothing is at leisure. The gym gear outside is booming. So people are more focused in the gym now to look better. But they're following recommendations from people that have poor, no, no, I, no, I will say it, poor training advice, poor training structure. But because they're taking you know, PEDs, they're getting benefits from that program. In order for you to, when you go to the gym, and you know this, Chris, when the listeners are out there, when you go to the gym, nobody gets, gets bigger or stronger in the gym. It asks the body a question. And when the body is asked a question, it can go back, it can recover, it can adapt. And then you, the next time you go to the gym, you can express that new level of strength. But that's multiple exposures in conjunction with, with a metabolic and physiological adaptation to that stimulus. Mm -hmm. So the body will respond to that. But if you're just tipping away in the gym and you're taking steroids, well, the body will recover from that. I'm not saying, and again, I'm not saying to anybody out there, steroids is a bad thing in conjunction with a physician and in control. And if, that, if you're a bodybuilder or powerlifter, you understand that. But I, I don't see the reason why people that are not competing in bodybuilding, not competing in powerlifting, will need to do that. People can get really healthy, can really get really strong, really fit, really mobile. If, if they look on the nutrition, their lifestyle, supplementation and surround themselves with health healthy habits for me steroids if you're taking them at least tell the people you're taking them you yeah. know i hear people say oh, i'm doing intermittent fasting this is one thing i love this one i'm doing intermittent fasting that's why i'm so lean well actually you're taking testosterone and you're taking a bulletproof coffee with six thousand calories in the morning or something no <laughs> that, that's that's not intermittent fasting and then you're taking something else so people don't mind just to be honest with them be transparent and let them make the decision now, I have a, a doctor that I work with in Ireland, and maybe about, I don't know what, what year, maybe four years ago, I got the first client down to me, and he was on testosterone replacement therapy. An older guy, he was 57, morbidly obese, you know, visceral opposed tissue out to here, very big guy, and, and his testosterone levels was tiny. Now, he was the first guy that I, I came on board with, with nutrition and training and lifestyle that was getting TRT. But the transformation in conjunction with TRT, with nutrition and exercise, is mind-blowingly fast. It's so different than not doing it. And it, it, for him, he actually has 
hypogonadism. He's got an, he got, had a, testi- a testicle removed and he's got shrink. There's a lot of different issues going on, metabolic issues going on. But for him, that was an intervention by his physicians to help him from, a, from an endocrine point of view. It's very different. He's taking a very low, very, very, very low dosage. But still, with that low dosage in conjunction with the, the intervention of lifestyle and so on, was profound, Chris. I mean, I've never had someone get in so good shape or change their shape so fast mm-hmm. with a very small, very small um, prescription. So again, if you are, if people are out there doing it and they recommend that other people follow certain diets, be transparent and tell them where they are. You know, it's it's not a, it's not going to blacklist. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder, we will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.